From Tobacco Republic in Loomis, California, this is Beyond the Humidor, a cigar podcast for the rest of us, with your host, Greg Perry, Louis Starr, and I am Scott Robinson, with today's guest, tobacconist Craig Perry and Sarah Belt. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the fourth installment of Beyond the Humidor. I am Greg, joined with my usual four cohorts here. Want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Tonight's podcast might be a little different for you guys. We have a few things on the agenda. I want to turn it over to Lewis here for a minute. Uh, Talk about you guys and some of the feedback we're getting. Lewis? Well, thank you, Greg. Well, as most of you have been listening in, you know, into us and checking us out, we've been getting a lot of good feedback uh, by email as well as just personally. I had a lot of people come to me and speak to me personally about how they felt the podcast sounded and its professionalism and its content. And the emails are just encouraging, and I really appreciate it. And the long and short of it is that everyone that's approached us thus far I said they like what we're doing. They think we're doing a great thing and we're heading in the right direction, which is very encouraging for all of us. And so I want to appreciate that statement coming from all our listeners and knowing that we have embarked upon a good thing and there's more greatness coming from us in the months and years to come. So thank you guys for tuning in, listening to us. And actually, we had one person that was uh, very adamant about us getting it up on time, you know, putting another podcast up because they are religiously listening to it, listening to us now, and this person, by their own admission, has a short attention span, and they're listening to our podcast in its entirety and really appreciating it. So, hey, guys, thank you, you know, to my fellow colleagues here. It seems like we're doing a great thing, and I just want to keep you encouraged as we continue to move on. Thanks, Lou. So one of the things that... Uh, that most of you know is that uh, Scott was not with us on our last podcast, and uh, he was actually uh, taking a cruise on vacation. So, uh, Scott, what uh, what went on? What's new? Well, if you caught the Instagram as I was leaving New York, I did a seven-day cruise to Bermuda. It takes about two or three days to get there, and we spend about three days in port and then come back over to New York. And I've got to tell you, it was an incredible experience. Um, I've got to say this much about Bermuda, the people in particular. You want to talk about people who are proud of their country, and I don't mean just Bermuda is great, but people who really knew the history of their country. It was really impressive. I did a tour with a gentleman who was a retiree. He was a police officer, served in parliament, served as their drug czar, and um, did different things within the government as well. And he, you know, glowing, of course, you know, talking about his country and all the information he imparted about it. And it's just an incredible place. There's stuff I didn't even know. And I graduated with a history degree from the University of California. And there's stuff I didn't know about Bermuda, why it was there, um, its involvement in the Revolutionary War, even the Civil War, as a matter of fact. And how the um, country Bermuda, excuse me, Bermuda was involved in piracy and hijacking ships and the ingenious ways they lured ships over to the island. 
it was just incredible. Oh, you got to touch on that a little bit more because that was an interesting story you shared with us about how they lured people into the island and, and get them shipwrecked, so to speak. One of the stories, which was real funny, I did a tour of the um, Bermuda Triangle, which I also didn't know how large it was. It expands from Bermuda to Miami to Puerto Rico and back to Bermuda. And one of the things that they did to strand ships was literally put cows in the shallows with lanterns wrapped around their necks so that incoming ships would think that these are ships that are moored in and they have space to come in, but then they run aground. And of course the Bermudians would come in and like, Oh man, you saved the day, you know, Hey, hop on the boat. We'll take you ashore. And as they took them ashore, they loot the ship. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a sly thing to do. But. Nice yeah. ingenious piracy there. <laughs> Absolutely. No weapons involved. No, oh. no British either. Yeah. No, not at all. And they were doing it to the British too. <laughs> <laughs> Their justification was, it's night. We're not looking for flags at night. Yeah. No. You know, interestingly enough, though, I you know spend a little time out there, of course, and I had to check out the cigar scene. Unfortunately, I didn't make it over to the other end of the island where um, there was the um, Churchill, which had a lot of Cuban cigars and had an expansive liquor and cigar collection over at um, St. George. We were over at the Royal Naval Dockyard where our ship was docked. But I did have the good fortune of coming across a kiosk there. And one of the gentlemen who works at the cigar shop in St. George, he was working the um, place that, excuse me, the kiosk. kiosk. Thank you. Words. <laughs> Working the kiosk that day, and I was speaking with him, and I picked up a few things, and I um, picked up um, five cigars from the Bermuda Cigar Company. And the um, gentleman who actually rolls those got his training from a master craftswoman at Romeo and Julieta. Ah, nice. So um, it's a Bermudan twist on the Cuban cigar, and there are five types. And we are smoking all five. Each of us are smoking a particular one. I'm smoking a Cameroon Maduro. And we're going to get in depth as we smoke these and give a little review about them as we go. Now, um, like I said, the Bermuda trip was incredible. I had a good time, learned a lot. And, of course, you know, if you haven't taken a cruise, I encourage you to do so. It's a good time. You meet people from all over and um, my wife and I actually met another couple that we hung out with and we had a good time with. And um, shout out to um, the Phillips, um, if you're listening. You know, we had a great time and love for you to come out here and um, enjoy our hospitality. Now, we got back to New York and I saw Wicked. Now, I had no interest in um, seeing this. <laughs> this was my wife's idea. And um, Greg had previously seen it, and he says, I'm going to not even tell you about it. I want to see what you really think about it. And to tell the truth, I was really, really impressed. It's a turn on the Wizard of Oz, and it all kind of came together. So it was just an incredible story, a wonderful production at the Warwick in New York. And um, it had a great time. Now, I'll say this about New York. Well, before I do that, let me talk about a couple other things um, that we did. There's an awful excited look across the way over here. What's on your yes, mind Sarah. over there, Sarah? You got to see Wicked in New York? I did. I'm very jealous. Oh, it was awesome. 
I got to see it at the Orpheum in San Francisco. That ain't half bad. Six years ago? Yeah. Or it was the last time that I was in town and one of my favorite musicals of all time. So very jealous that you got to see it in New York. <laughs> no, Sarah, all you got to do is get a ticket to New York. Oh, just like that? Just like that. Just oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like magic. Yeah. You got these newfangled things called planes. <laughs> what? <laughs> no stagecoaches anymore. <laughs> and you can go right downtown in Manhattan near the theater and go to Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, you can go to StubHub. Stub oh, StubHub. If you yep. want to. Round Avenue of the Americas. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, one of the other things we did was we went to the top of the Rockefeller Center and, you know, saw the view out there. But one of the more incredible things that we did and this is of course the week um of 9-11 we went to um one world which was damned impressive um starts out you get on the elevator of course to go up to the um hundred and i think it's hundred and first floor but what's incredible is when you walk into the elevator the walls are video monitors so as you're going up you start out with just bedrock and you're rising up to the land and there's a little clock in the corner going from the 1600s all the way to 2015 when one world is completed and it shows the building of new york goes to like little settlements the buildings of the 30s and you know the rising of the skyscrapers and you know the one moving part of course is when you get closer to 2001 and you see the Twin Towers before that and see them disappear. Mm. Um, you know, as an American, as anybody, I mean, you get this really sick and empty feeling. And then you see one world being built around the elevator. Wow, that sounds wow. fascinating. And when wow. you finally rise up to the top floor, you get off the elevator. And um, if you have a special ticket, you get like an iPad where you can put it up against the window at the 360 degree view and it will identify all the major buildings and bridges wow it lines up exactly so if you're pointing at the george washington bridge or the brooklyn bridge mm -hmm. or if you're looking further out toward LaGuardia, you can see queens it's just an incredible incredible experience uh that sounds good man they didn't have that when i was there and i visited three times uh a year ago so it sounds like a uh, point of interest. I need to put that on my list. Yeah. I'd love to see it. And um, I was out there probably, um, I think it was about four years ago, and I saw the reflecting pools. Yeah. I have a personal feeling about it, and your mileage may vary on this, but the way some people treated it, for me, it's a very solemn and hollow place. Mm -hmm. And to see people around, and I don't want to be holier than thou, but treat it like a tourist attraction and not the solemn place that it is. You know, people laughing, running around, taking pictures like it's Disneyland. It just kind of bothered me, but I get it. You know, like I said, I don't want to be a holier-than-thou type. And then speaking of phones, you know, somebody asked me about if I took pictures. I'm a former freelance photographer, yeah. and... When I started going places that I'm not doing photography gigs that I'm being paid for right. or something specifically that I'm doing when I'm with non-photographers, I don't take my camera with me and I don't really shoot with my phone because 
you're in an incredible place, wherever it is. I mean, be it a concert, be it a city, and you've got people looking down at their phones or looking at it through a monitor. They're yeah. looking at their phone through a monitor and not experiencing it, not actually yeah. living it. They're actually looking at a screen. You can do that at home. Well, mm-hmm. That's a true statement. You know, and you know, that whole area and the time in and of itself holds a special place in my heart because I happened to be there on the day of and uh, lost a few friends. And it took me a while to go down to the memorial area and I did find the two firemen's names that I knew and one of the friars from the firehouse that I knew and a couple other people. But I, I agree with you. Is when you go down there, and when I went, went down, it wasn't a circus. A lot of people, ha- I guess it just happened to be the time of day, you know, they were pretty respectful of the area and what all of that meant. And so I appreciated that. But um, when you're in New York, you know, there's a lot of tourists, like most big cities, right? And Very true. What they have to understand, though, is that when you're in a city like that, you might want to pay attention to your surroundings and where you're going because you're going to walk into people, you're going to walk into traffic or whatever have you. And, again, you're missing out on being able to take it in live and experiencing it that way versus walking around with your phone in your hand. Exactly. I'm with you on that. Now, I have to say this about New York. I am an Angelino, born and raised and, you know, lived out on the West Coast for most of my life. You grew up in Italy? (laughs) <laughs> Los Angeles idiot <laughs> It is we are, was a Pazano. <laughs> yeah We are called Angelinos Anyway Desert dwellers <laughs> So um, anyway New York You gotta be a special cat to live in New York Cause yeah. I gotta tell you You know Once you get through the touristy thing after a day yeah. Man I found myself walking around with my fist balled up Cause I kept running into people Cause they weren't looking where they were going I started like looking at hockey videos on YouTube How to body check people Cause I was just so tired of people looking down at their phones Or not paying attention yeah. And it's just like bumper cars It's just crazy Yeah one of the reasons why I left. <laughs> I believe it. New Jersey, when I was there last year, was the same way. Yeah. Well, that, that's a very good um, story, share, and I appreciate that. Um, definitely want to put that on my list of places to visit because I did not do that. And actually, being a New Yorker, I didn't want to do any of the tourist sites. Right. I, I went to all the places I knew I could eat and shop because I missed that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention about Bermuda... Um, I guess they're importing some of our policies because um, effective Sunday, um, this actually went in effect in April and they had a grace period, but effective Sunday, there is no longer any smoking in enclosed spaces in Bermuda. What? Yeah. You can smoke outside still, Mm. but you can't smoke in say a bar or, you know, there's no cigar lounges anymore because you can't smoke inside. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's all right, man. I go out on the beach. There you go. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. You've got some pretty scenery, so yeah. all of Bermuda is your cigar lounge. Exactly. Well, I guess that's better, Sarah. We should go vacation in Bermuda instead of instead of Sonoma County. At least well, we can smoke outside there. No kidding. Uh-huh. You don't have to have a bubblegum cigar to fake it. No, no <laughs> kidding, you know. But that's something else I wanted to mention, too. Just the um, cigar scene in general during my vacation. They had a cigar lounge on the ship. And this is no disrespect to um, cigarette smokers, but, you know, for me, when you walk into a cigar lounge, it's a cigar lounge. Right. But a, 
Unfortunately, because um, cruise ships now have become primarily non-smoking, it kind of pushes everybody into a box. There's like maybe two places that you can actually smoke on the particular ship I was on. Mm -hmm. So we had cigar smokers sliding into the um, small cigar lounge. It had some nice leather couches and chairs, small, but it was workable. But then you have cigarette smokers come in there and hot box their cigars. And it was just, it messes with the aroma of the cigar. Again, no disrespect to cigar smokers, but you know, it did kind of impinge a little bit, but hey, you embrace the suck, you're on vacation, you enjoy it. And I met some real nice people, so I'm not griping too, too much about that. I was on a um, vacation on a cruise ship in out of Puerto Rico um, a few years ago. And, you know, that scene was basically you could smoke on deck five and like the aft of the ship, back of the ship, in case someone's going to say, ooh, what's aft? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I went, I went over to deck five as I was instructed. There's like a bench, a little thing for like, you know, cigarette butts. I think I would have been better off if I was mainlining heroin. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was, you know, smoking was just so unwelcomed. Wow. And, and then I um, did a princess cruise last year um, to Alaska. Bills and a razor blade? <laughs> Right? <laughs> I was on a princess cruise, and they had a cigar bar, but this one had the bar. It, you know, they actually had actual liquor bar within the cigar lounge, and it was huge, nice and roomy, you know, and it was a lot nicer. Um, it's nice to see some of the newer cruise ships kind of adapting to cigar smokers with, um, with lounges. But I'll give you this suggestion. If you do and you find out that your ship has a cigar lounge, Bring your own smokes. You will be much happier. The selection will be extremely limited, and it probably won't be your particular cigar that you like, and you are going to pay top dollar for it. And we're not even talking Cubans here. And by the way, you will not get Cubans on the ship. Oh, nope, good. still U.S. US flag vessel. Yep. Actually, it's not a U.S. flag vessel. It's, they're usually like flagged out of um, Sweden. What is it? Sweden and Norway England. or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting that a, they can't allow that they're not putting Cubans on the ship. Then. Yeah, you are in international waters. I wonder what that that is. But of course, it probably has something to do with the embargo, and you know their offices are. I know Carnival is based out of Miami, mm -hmm. and um, a couple other cruise lines. Or well, there's not that many left. I mean, they're all getting bought up and consolidated. Yeah, it's like you know you're thinking you're not on a Carnival cruise ship. It's like oh, surprise you are because <laughs> I think Princess is actually owned by Carnival. I do hmm. not know. I haven't haven't done a cruise. That's so what I'll have sure. to look up. Okay. Nice. Sounds like you had a good time. Oh yeah, it was outstanding. And by the way, Greg, thank you very much for house sitting. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. It was uh, it was fun. Me and the dog hanging out. <laughs> Except I'll tell you, the hotel gets a two-star review because the television service was cut off two days before my stay was up. But anyway. Um, well, I had to do that because for me to get DirecTV, they had to cut off U-verse and they had to be cut off for 48 hours before they come, on, come out. It's the same bloody company, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't, hey. <laughs> I just work there. Yeah, so, don't fight the machine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. True. Any industry, it's that same way. So, you know, I... Uh, I don't know if anybody has asked this question. I haven't seen it, but, you know, um, we've had now our fourth podcast. We've talked a lot about what we like in cigars, a lot about what we 
do in the lifestyle, and we're going to touch on that a little bit in the end. But one of the things that we haven't done, guys, and I think maybe our listenership would enjoy it, is we haven't talked about us. So uh, I think we should take a few minutes and talk about e- all of us, you know, introduce what we like and everything like that. And uh, and uh, let's start with our guests here. So uh, who's up first? Craig, you want to? Oh, okay. So we're having <laughs> we're having the pointing game of, of, of you two pointing at each other. So uh, I feel like I lost that one because yeah, Lou th- apparently is. I think you kind of did. So Sarah. Uh, I just had to stretch my arm a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. The chair recognizes Sarah. <laughs> Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your hobbies, etc. Hobbies require free time. That's true. And I do not know what free time is. <laughs> uh, getting back into cigars and hanging out with you fine folk um, is probably the closest thing to a hobby these days. Um, f- going down to my... Um, jazz club of choice and listening to music that'd be the shady lady if i remember correctly you would be correct are they doing jazz out there now they do jazz funk um brass wow different iterations of jazz um i actually know um the guy who books all of the entertainment for shady lady and um he's very well connected uh, so sweet in the rare free time in the nights that I feel like wandering out of my home. Uh, that's, that's what I do these days. So for you listeners, if you're coming to visit this area and you want to know where to go downtown Sacramento, shoot us an email. Sarah, be glad to reply and tell you some of the fun spots to visit downtown. Absolutely. Oh, sounds good. So the machine, <laughs> A.K.A. Craig. A.K.A. Craig. Tell us yes. about yourself, your hobbies, etc. Well, I'm a very boring person. I smoke cigars. Up I to the mic, my friend. Up to the mic. I smoke cigars. How close do you want me to get? As close as you can. Well, I can stick it in my mouth, but that would be very productive. No, not at all. <laughs> I smoke cigars. I talk about cigars. I read books. Uh, watch movies. It's actually one of my new favorite pastimes. Oh... Uh, Hey, I know. I almost got the John Wick cutout for you, but someone beat me to it. Oh, that's a shame. The movie's amazing. Play video games occasionally, but I don't have much time for that anymore. I pretend to go hunting and fishing, mostly. You know, sometimes I just take the pole and put the bobber in the water. That doesn't have to be bait attached to it, because, you know, there's a cigar in my hand while I'm doing that. That's always fun. Oh, so what's the fun thing you did the other day? I was told you actually did something that was fun. Oh, I, I, I uh, drove up and down a runway chasing an airplane. You know, they weren't too happy at a certain point. When they started <laughs> shooting at me, I knew it was time to leave. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, at least you did something fun on your time off. I yeah, did. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Lou, tell Ooh. listeners about yourself. Um, well, you know, I got to give you the Reader's Digest version because it's... Uh, it's been one heck of a ride, and I'm not done yet. Uh, hobbies, let's see. Aside from writing poetry and uh, lyrics for songs, I am a hobbyist when it comes to music. So not only do I love listening to it, I also play. I play a lot of percussions, a lot of hand drums right now, and I still have a tenor saxophone, a bass guitar, and an uh, acoustic guitar. And I occasionally I'll sing every now and then, depending on the moment and 
you know what I'm doing if it's with a group or a band. Um, don't get to play as many sports as I used to. I used to be an avid racquetball and uh, paddle ball and handball player. Not very good with tennis. Uh, too slow for me. Uh, let's see. What else? You don't have nice enough legs for it. Uh, I beg your pardon, man. Legs are nice. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We need some music for that. <laughs> you know, and aside from that, you know, having been a a lover of smoking cigars for 40 plus years now, um, I think I know a little something enough to be dangerous about them, but still learning. Um, go to a lot of different places, love to travel, you know, driven across country a couple of times, only missed about four or five states in these uh, beautiful United States of America. But uh, it really opened my eyes because, you know, there's a lot of times we don't get a chance to see the state that we live, the, the United States that we live in. A lot of times we go different places, right? You know, I've been to the Caribbean, I've been to Europe, and at one point in my life, I said, you know, I need to see the United States. And so I did that. And driving it was quite interesting. But uh, aside from that, man, all I can do is uh, fill in the gap with I have some uh, wonderful grandchildren who I adore. And they're a lot of fun. And I love seeing them do what they do because it's an extension of me now. But uh, that's pretty much it, man. Everything else, I say you got to spend time with me to get to know me. I spend quite a bit of time with you, man, including a very nice dinner um, while Scott was on vacation, which I appreciate. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That was also a fun night smoking cigars. I wonder if mm. Bob smoked that cigar you gave him yet. Did uh, did you give him a flying feral pig in shade yet? Uh, no, I gave him two other cigars. So next time I see him, I'll, I'll give him the shade and see what he thinks about it because I think you enjoyed it. I did. I did. That yeah. was a fine cigar. Good, good, That's a Liga good. Pravada product, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Greg, tell us a little bit about you, my friend. Well, first of all, my Indian name, because uh, my brother and I are Native American, but, you know, you wouldn't know it by looking at us. It's vegetarian. In case you didn't know, that means lousy hunter. Um, My primary hobbies, um, hunting and fishing, are one of my primary hobbies, aside from, obviously, cigar smoking and hanging out with you guys. Um, I've been a wing shooter, um... Since I was little, duck hunted, started duck hunting with dad, started fishing when I was younger with dad, and continued to do that. I'm actually what's called, what Stephen Ranella from the Meat Eater podcast would call a late-onset big game hunter. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later for a brief period as I talk about my newest blog entry that's going up this weekend. Um, so that's been a new hobby for me. It's been about, I think this is my eighth season Going after big game, I'm praying that this is going to be successful this year, but, you know, there's a reason why they call it hunting, not killing, because you don't always come back with something. Uh, you know, the other day I was out in uh, Sportsman's, and um, I saw this board up, you know, those betting boards you do when you have a football pool? Mm-hmm. What, I, what was the over-under on me? And I don't know, but the deer were betting heavy on themselves because they knew that you weren't going to get them. <laughs> That's very true. You know, it's, it's entirely possible. Um, you know, it, it can be easy. Unfortunately, the state we live in, in California, um, as I talk about in, in later blog posts that are coming up, you know, this state is not the greatest for, for deer management. So it does become a challenge here. 
the deer are younger and smaller and 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 it's just a little different experience compared to back east. I know where where your family, your wife's family's from, Lou in Pennsylvania. There's deer everywhere. There are more deer per square mile than than I know what to do with out there. So different different mindset back there. It'd be fun to go back there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to going uh, one season and hunting with my brother-in-law because uh, every year they go out, they get at least two. Mm-hmm. So it'd be great to just go out there and do that. And everything they kill, folks, they eat. They don't just kill for the sport of it. No. They kill for the, for the food. Same way with me. It's putting food on the table. Even though we'd have a grocery store, it's still... <laughs> Something you get yourself is still a lot better to eat. Um, you know, I was involved with Little League when I was younger, not playing, mind you. I'm a fat little roly-poly, so, but I did a lot of volunteer work with Little League um, when I was younger. I've kind of gotten away from that now because the 9 to 5 does take you away from that. Um, do a little reading, little motoring. I may not be a motoring expert or racing or anything like that, but, you know, one of my favorite television shows was and still is uh, Top Gear and now the Grand Tour. So I spend a lot of time looking at cars. Travel, camping, hunting, fishing, the usual. So, you know, I have a, I have a wide diversity of, of subjects going on there. Well, suffice it to say, if I may, we're like everybody else. You know, we all have some similar interests and hobbies and so forth. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the beauty of what we're doing right now because we're not presenting ourselves to be any different from anybody else. We're just like you folks. You know, we're kind of forgetting somebody here. Yeah, but hold on. Get to him because he's over there chomping at the bit. Well, you know, Rosa Parks (laughs) over here sitting in the back. (laughs) (laughs) What about me, boss? (laughs) (laughs) So, Scott, tell the the listeners about yourself. (laughs) Well, aside from hanging with you reprobates and enjoying cigars. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah, that's you too. And aside from being a borderline alcoholic with mommy issues, <laughs> I enjoy um, wine tasting. Um, I'm a um, target shooter, um, a um, Second Amendment advocate. I'm also a martial artist. Um, I've been involved in martial arts um, since the 90s. My first art was um, Subak Do. The best way to describe that is it's a Korean martial art. Um, Taekwondo is the sport of Korea. Subak-do is the actual art. And I took that for some years and acquired my sixth gup, which was a green belt. One of the beauties of that art is there is no black belt. When you attain first don, so you go from 10th gup over to um, first don, um, it is a red stripe in the middle with a midnight blue on either side. And what that represents is the midnight sky, infinite. You will never stop learning, and that's the whole point. Black represents perfection, and as anyone who's studied the arts, you are never going to know everything. You are going to be continually learning. So um, I took that for some years, and then reality, you know, got in, got in the way, and I had kids and had to, you know, pay attention to them. So, <laughs> you know, I, um, you know, put it on the shelf for a while, and about five years ago, I got involved in Krav Maga which is the Israeli martial art, um, or rather defense system, that's taught by, um, taught in Israel by the Israeli Defense Force. Um, the history of Krav Maga is back in the 20s, a gentleman by the name of Eamon Lichtenfeld out of Bratislav, Czechoslovakia. He was a boxer, wrestler, and he um, dabbled in some martial arts. 
he developed a fighting system so that Jews could protect themselves from fascist bullies in the 30s. When Israel became a nation state in the um, late 40s, 50s, they asked Emi to come and train their defense forces. One of the things about Krav Maga is it is straightened to the point. It is a very brutal fighting system, and it's also um, easy to teach um, men, women, small children, and that was the whole point of the art. And as a matter of fact, I'm about four months away from acquiring my black belt. All right, all right. A resident self-defense specialist. <laughs> Video to be shown of him getting his butt kicked later de- at a later date. Oh, and that does happen when you train. Oh, yeah, I've heard the stories you've told in here. Oh, yeah. And I remember, so, yeah. (laughs) So, we told you at the beginning of the episode that we were trying out some cigars that that, uh, Scott brought back from Bermuda. And, uh, Scott, give us a little history, because, you know, we're going to get the review, but uh, we're going to bring that up for you later on in the show, because we've got to have some time to get into the cigar before we can give you a, a... a note on on what we're feeling. So, Scott, tell us about the about the company. Well, I touched upon it a little bit. Um, the um, owner is by the name of Grant Kennedy, and he does a Cuban style cigar. And as I said, he got his training from a um, craftswoman at Romeo and Julieta. That's a great house, by the way. Oh yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, I don't have that much in the history to really um, discuss, but I didn't, um, you know, pick up a lot of that. But I did, you know, in my discussions, I did um, get that little bit. Okay. So real quick here, before we get too far in, you know, I am smoking the reef and uh, it is a Sumatran wrapper on this cigar. And uh, I'll get you some tasting notes in a little bit here. What about you, Scott? I am smoking the Cameroon Maduro. It is a darker, richer um, leaf. Um, even though it's a Maduro, it's still coming out nicely. It's heavy, but I like that. I had a big meal earlier, so it complements that well. And with the um, Glen Foodery that I'm drinking, the 29-year, it's even better. Nice, nice. I'm not getting any notes as of yet. Speaking of which, the whole idea of retrohaling, which I am going to try. <laughs> so if you hear someone, in, you know, incessantly coughing and gagging, that's just me. We'll try to cut the mic before that happens. All right. Thanks much. <laughs> so uh, glowworm over there, what you got going on? I am blind and it is dark. <laughs> Thank you. I am smoking. Also, I was helping Lewis. You're welcome. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I'm not going to throw myself under the bus when I don't the need to. The blind leading the blind. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm smoking the long tail, which is the Connecticut shade. Cool. Cool. Thoughts to come soon. Okay. Okay. Mr. Lewis. I am smoking the Barracuda. It's a Habano and... Like Sarah said, I just got into this cigar, and the first puff, about a good quarter inch, it's it's different from any other cigar that I've smoked, and I smoke a lot of Maduros, but this doesn't quite come off as that, and I I haven't received any pepper spice or any other particular spice off it yet, but I will give you a description of what I get once I do a retro hail and smoke this to about halfway, see if the complexity and the flavors change. Sounds good. Craig. I'm smoking the Rum Runner. 
It's uh, got a sweetness on my tongue. It's a good smell, good taste. And it kind of reminds me of an oak tree, and it smells like bacon. And I don't know why, but I really like that smell. It's got a good smell to it. That's All an right. interesting description, bacon nice. oak. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's new for me. So, Lewis, I notice on uh, on my little note sheet here, we got visiting cigar lounges. You want to help me out on that one? Well, before we go there, have you not lit up yet? Oh yeah, I'm I'm good and lit up here. I'm a, unfortunately behind Obviously. you guys. Obviously, yeah, you must be well lit. <laughs> yeah. What are you smoking over there? Oh, I I touched on mine already. I'm on I'm on the the reef. It's the Sumatran wrapper. But you got no flavor profile or anything just yet. You need some more time on that. Yeah, I need a little bit more time before I get that in okay. there. Okay, I think they they removed the er. You're smoking reefer. Oh, is that what it is? Ah, that explains that elephant behind Sarah. Uh, well, you know, visiting different lounges, you know, just from my personal experience, you know, I've gone to several lounges up and down uh, Southern and Northern California, as well as, you know, in New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, Pennsylvania, and a couple other places that I've visited over the past few years. And one of the things that I've noticed is there are certain cigars that are specific to that particular area. You, know, you have regional blends that you, you can't get everywhere you go. And I love the exploration of the hunting for cigars. I, you know, I, I do that and along with my, my beautiful wife. She goes out. She does not smoke. And so to our female listeners out there, don't be ashamed of what habit. If you can support your man, your husband, your brother, your father, whoever that male is that smokes cigars, you know, go out there and explore that with them sometimes and maybe surprise them and, and bring something for him as a treat. And he does something right, by the way. Because uh, it is a treat. But my wife goes out, and when she used to go traveling for work, she would always come back, and it was always Christmas. I've said this once before. She brings me back a lot of wonderful surprises and some sticks that are hard to find here in California. But the lounge in and of itself is a unique experience because regardless of the accoutrement of the lounge and how well it's decorated and appointed, a lot of the conversations that we have here and that we've had here, it's the same conversation at some of the lounges for the most part, and the only difference is the cast. The people that are there, and sometimes you might see somebody or meet someone who reminds you of someone else that you already know, like here. I've met quite a number of people that uh, when I went down to Fresno to uh, a lounge down there, Cigar Limited, I'll give them a plug. They were... Um, talking about something that we had just talked about the day before and I sat there and I was tickled pink because I said wow nothing changes but the faces mm-hmm. you know, but I love going to different lounges just to explore and see what they have that's different from what I can find here granted you can find a, a lot of b- boutique and premium cigars here at uh, Loomis Cigars uh, uh, actually it's not Loomis, Loomis Cigars, cigars. Right? you but mean Tobacco Republic? It's Tobacco Republic I'm going to change the name of this place soon <laughs> um, <laughs> When can I expect the check? Uh, it's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just getting out and, and being able to be a stranger in a place and becoming a friend before you leave because it's all about the leaf. You sit down, you cut, you light, you smoke, and the conversation ensues. And I love it. It's a beautiful thing. And, guys, you know, if you are out, and many of you do, I know, you know, I've heard a lot of stories from guys here in places that I travel. A lot of people don't know who we are, where we are in California, and I invite them. 
come up to Loomis. It's just above Sacramento. If you know anything about Sacramento, it's, you know, um, nice little town, one horse town, but it's a, it's a homey town that, and I don't want to give a, 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 uh, a negative connotation saying homey. It's meaning that there's a lot of people here that care about the town. They care about each other and it's a great place to come and visit, eat wonderful places to, to eat in this town too. Um, probably going to ruin the traffic flow in a minute. I keep talking, but I just, I love this area and guys come up, visit with us. We have the largest walk-in humidor in Northern California and you have a wonderful selection of cigars and you'll meet a lot of great people. And that cycles in throughout the day. You have a morning, afternoon, evening crew. And whenever you come, you're guaranteed to be welcomed and have great conversation. Mm-hmm. It is it is true in this lounge. And, and I got to echo what you said, Lou, because when I was traveling uh, for work the last few years, I would try to hit cigar lounges in the different regions that I would go to. And it was unique based on the region. But what agree with you, what was not any different was the conversations and the faces when I went into the Cigars International Lounge in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I know absolutely nobody in this place. I am traveling alone. And, you know, everybody was welcoming, come on in. I ended up sitting in the back in one of the lounge areas in the back and uh, pretty soon found myself surrounded, much like this lounge, in a horseshoe-shaped leather furniture. And by the end of the few hours that I was there, I knew all the six guys around me. We talked, we joked about the the craziness from the state that I live in learned a little bit about Pennsylvania from where they lived in. It was just a great experience. And that's one of the unique natures I think of cigars as we've discussed in, in previous episodes is how welcoming everybody is in the lifestyle. It's one of the really great things I think I like about this thing. Right. So I want to take a minute and uh, let everybody know, you know, we, We touched on a previous episode about being in Denver at the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival and the time that we had there. And one of the things that we could not get away from, not only in Denver, but in Las Vegas the previous year at Big Smoke, was the want and desire for the awesome shirts that uh, we have had made, both designs that uh, Larry has designed for us um, in his business that's in a little town north of Loomis called Newcastle, and in the ones that Scott and I and Craig had designed for the company logos that you see today. And uh, we've decided we're going to, and bear with us, folks, we need a little time to get this going here, but uh, we decided we're going to do some merchandising coming up. What uh, What's everybody say about that? Well, I say it's a wonderful thing. I think so, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, the shirts are very high quality. Um, they don't, you know, you can ash on your shirt, and that happens to all of us. <laughs> You know, we drop a little ash, and <laughs> and I got to make sure I'm, I'm I'm careful how I say that. <laughs> but you know, when when it happens, and you can just brush the ash off from your from your shirt, you don't necessarily get a burn mark or or, or anything. You know, like I saw something happen to one of our guests today, and as he was lighting his cigar, a little hot ember fell off the cigar and burned a hole in his shirt. And I said, wow, uh, had you been wearing one of ours, it wouldn't have happened. That's I, not good. No, it's mm. not good. People but, are trying to set themselves on fire. Well, you know, <laughs> accident, accidents will happen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it's a, a great idea. And I, I, I do like the fact that we're embarking upon that venture. And so there's a lot of people have asked, and you're right. I've, I've had at least a half dozen or more people 
ask where can they get the shirts and they like them and um, we're ready to start getting them out there, making them available. Yep. And we do hear you folks. Just please be patient. We're working on that project right now. You know, uh, one of the things that we touched on in a previous episode, but I think I want to explore it a little bit more today is the cigar lifestyle. I know that each of us in here has a unique perspective on that lifestyle, what it means to them. Um, you know, Craig, I know you and I were talking about this the other day in here. Um, and it was actually kind of an interesting discussion on movies and, and different things that we were liking. And it's one of the subjects that comes up in here quite often. You want to expound on that for me? I don't remember what you're talking about. So uh, you're going to have to continue. Okay. You're a little too young for uh, Alzheimer's, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CRS does not become you at this age. So one of the things that Craig and I were discussing in here, and I, I, there was a few more people in here, and, and they'll forgive me that I don't remember exactly who, but, you know, we were talking about different movies. One of the nights uh, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Bond films, and it was interesting to see that, you know, the commonality between all of us was the cigar, of course. But just take the Bond film genre for a minute, and each one likes a different Bond. Each one likes a different different movie in that respect. You know, it's it's just an interesting way way of looking at it. I know I know Scott and I, for instance, can get in an argument over Connery versus versus. Um, Don't say Roger Moore. Yes, Roger Moore, but <laughs> but you know, nonetheless. And then there's Mr. Lazenby and a few others, but. Uh, but, you know, it was just a unique, unique experience there. And, and we all share different hobbies and everything. And uh, help me out here. I don't want to be the only one expounding here. Well, Craig, Casino Royale was the best one. And Daniel Craig is the best James Bond. Just calling it now. Why, why Every... do you think that? Because when they, when they made Casino Royale, they really tried to make Bond like like, I, I always imagined Bond would be, you know, a double-O agent licensed to kill. This guy was a, was a no-nonsense, cold-hearted killing machine who was cool, suave, could could uh, be charming when needed to. But he was not afraid to get down to business and get down to business efficiently and effectively. And I really think they captured the way I always imagined James Bond in Casino Royale. And I really like that movie because... The, the story of how Bond becomes Bond is so integral to understanding the character that I really enjoyed that movie, right? And what's her name? Ava Green? Did you enjoy that movie, Craig? Ava Green? <laughs> what is that her name? Vespa? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, oh good yeah. God. Yeah. She, she's, she's one of my uh, fantasy wives. Come on now. She's just gorgeous. I love her. And I like the fact that she was intelligent, but she just wasn't the one swooning over Bond where... They kind of had to build the relationship as opposed to the other movies where, oh my God, I just I need to I need to have sex with you right now. I oh, really so. enjoyed the character development in those movies. Is okay. what I really enjoyed out of those movies. Kind of like Skyfall. Okay. The parts of it I didn't like, but I did like having Bond have to deal with being old. And I thought that was well done. Well, you know what? For me, as far as the Bonds go, I like the Bonds for different reasons. You take Sean Connery. One word, Daddy. He uh -huh. was the daddy of all Bonds. I mean, he was smooth. He was ruthless. I'll always remember the scene, and I can't remember which one it was, when he goes to the beach to the woman in the bikini and says, it seems you need to get something off your chest and chokes her with her own bikini. Mm. I, I don't mean, remember that one. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Um, and then, you know, you get into the other ones. Roger Moore did Bond as camp. It was well, a yes, he total did. departure from the books, but it was entertaining. 
Roger Moore Bonds were a popcorn movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, the worst one he did was Moonraker. Oh, that was ridiculous. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Then you had um, Timothy Dalton, who was probably, aside from Daniel Craig, more realistic with Bond, just a cold-hearted bastard. And I, that's what Bond is. And I think, Craig, you and I were talking about this at one time. James Bond is not so much a hero as he is a sociopath. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about who he is. I mean, to do what he did, he is a cold-hearted sociopath. Yeah, and, we were, and we and they wind up having this root for him. I don't feel bad about that, but that's what he is. That's what he is. Yeah. That's, it's his personality. Like, you know, he manipulates people when he needs to because it's all about the... That the crown, that's who that's his job to protect the crown, protect right. the country. That's his main focus. Right. If he needs to manipulate somebody, he'll manipulate him. If he needs to kill somebody, he'll kill him. He does what it takes to protect the crown. He is a secret service agent or what do they call MI six. MI six, thank you. But then yeah. you take um Timothy Dalton, who, like I said, he played him more realistically, but Dalton kind of played Bond as almost a burnout. Like he was just like at the end of his career and just didn't give a crap. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Bond was a suave debonair oh, sociopath. No yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yes. and I I my favorite bond would be Sean Connery number one. Uh he was there a man for me. He's like, Yeah, you want something, Miss Money Penny. You know, <laughs> I just you know, it's just it was it for me. It's like Okay. You know, favorite Bond girl. Pussy galore. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, and then you know, there were so many others, but yeah, she she was something she was awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, she was no joke either. That's she right. Was frankly, yeah. a badass. Yeah. But see, a lot of the Bond girls were badasses. Yeah. I mean, you take Pussy Galore, who was a pilot, mm-hmm. ran her own flying circus. Yeah, Octopussy ran a you know fleet of uh, you know harem harem of women. Yeah. You know, um, who else was there? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, for your eyes only, um, De Havilock, the one with the crossbow who went on a um, killing spree because um, the Cuban murdered her parents. Yeah. Well, let's not forget, technically not a Bond girl, but uh, Max Zorin's counterpart, uh, Grace Jones, played oh, that role. Mayday. Oh, Mayday. Oh, she Jeez. was a Bond girl. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And she was crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when she lifted the KGB agent <laughs> over in the stadium. Oh, man. But, yeah. And you know what? Uh, and I think where we, where we were going with this was, you know, there's so many different things we do outside the humidor, right? Beyond wait, the wait, humidor, wait. Lou, right? Lou. No? Oh, Lou. oh favorite, I'm sorry. Favorite Bond, Sarah? Pierce Brosnan. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with there that. There is no. everything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that has more to do with my age and when I grew up than. Okay. That's true. Okay. Well, works. well, see, he would have been Bond earlier. The story between that was what happened was on the set of For Your Eyes Only, I don't know if anyone remembers this, the um, countess, the fake countess who got ran over mm-hmm. on the beach, mm-hmm. her boyfriend, the, actresses, the actress who played her, her boyfriend was on set who happened to have been Pierce Brosnan. Broccoli saw him and said, you know what? He could play the next Bond. Yeah. But what had happened was he was in a contract on a TV series back in the 80s called Remington Steel. Yeah. Yes, and, he was. And NBC would not let him out of his contract because they were kind of hyping him up. There were a couple of commercials where he was kind of doing Bond-esque stuff mm-hmm. because people expected him to be the next Bond after Roger Moore. Right. But because he couldn't get out of that contract, you know, um, they had to go to Dalton because Roger Moore had gotten to the point in an interview. He had said that, 
The reason why he stopped playing Bond was because he was getting older and the Bond girls were about the age of his granddaughters and it started getting creepy. Mm. I respect that. I respect that as well. So, are we ready for a female Bond? You know, they put that out there. They're floating the idea and they already selected one candidate. I know they floated it out there, but I also saw an article... Unfortunately, it comes from TMZ, so I don't know how much how much truth there is to behind it. Zero. But I, I also saw a article coming out that said they dismissed that idea. Oh, okay. you know, it, it's an interesting question and an interesting concept. I think because are we ready for one? I think so. Will the establishment do it? I don't know. Before we get into this further, we this have is a politics to... debate. No, no, it's not no, a politics no, debate. No, this no. is just a matter of preference. Honestly, I would give a loud, resounding no. And let me explain my no. There have always been female agents in MI6 because they've always been background. Basically, I think the story in this one is, is this woman is taking over the 007 moniker. Mm. So it's not as dramatic as people think. They're calling it a popcorn dropping moment. It really isn't because basically in this case, Daniel Craig is going to be retired. Right. And then she comes in as the new 007. Yeah. She's basically an agent with MI6. I think people are making a big fuss out of nothing to change James Bond to a female. No, a female MI6 agent. Sure. Sure. It's okay. just a matter of semantics, and people are getting wrapped up into the semantics, making it a political statement when it's not a political statement. Yeah. Well, we'll know, see I, when the movie comes out. We'll see when sure. the movie comes out. And decisions out. are made, yeah. And I hate. I would hate to see this end because I'm a big James Bond fan. As am I. You know, uh, yeah. They're on, what, 27, 28 movies now? I think it's Bond 25. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I, I, I love it, and they need to keep it moving. They just need to find a good actor to play the character well. Right. What are you shaking your head over there for? Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, we yeah. For you, those of you that can't hear it, I'm just going to put it out there. Next door, we have a live cat skinning going on. <laughs> As it's, we do every Friday. It's karaoke night. They are trying to sing Marvin Gaye. God. Uh, Again? I'm glad I have and my headphones And now I need on. my headphones yeah. uh-huh. because, oh, sweet Moses. Well, see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Scott. We, we yes. need more soundproofing. <laughs> <laughs> I say I'm matching accelerant, but that's just me. Uh-huh. No, no, this is a shared building. Then the lounge would go up, too. It'd be a good smell, though, as it's burning. You guys I, saw Backdraft? Yeah, I love the <laughs> smell of Ben Gay burning in the morning. Oh. <laughs> well, it, it, when we get to the cigars, there'll be a much more pleasant smell. Yeah, okay, thank you. As we try to shovel as many as we can out the door. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that that I think, you know, uh, back to back to uh, lifestyle of the cigar smoker, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with, with each of us being an individual. We all have our likes and dislikes, and I can't say karaoke is one of my likes. <clears throat> enough alcohol, everybody loves it. I don't think there's enough alcohol for me to still be alive for me to love it. Well, we'll find out soon. I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, thanks. Challenge accepted. Suicide the host, why not? Or yeah. homicide the host, why not? Hey, well, you know, with, with the hobbies. It's an we... overdose, not a suicide or homicide. Thank you. <laughs> Come on now, it's voluntary. Let's it's get our o- terminology correct. It's an OD. But, you know, I, and, you know, I would love for us to, you know, explain or more of our um, hobbies, if you will, and add some of that to the, the future podcast because I, I think, you know, 
just based on what I know of you guys, there's a lot of interesting things that we all bring to the table, and I'd like to share that with our listeners because I think they get a kick out of it. Mm, I think no so. Doubt. I agree. Y'all need to watch John Wick 3 so we can talk about that. I saw that on the plane on the way home. Hell yeah. It's on Redbox right now. Good it's in, stuff. It, oh, my. Yeah, yeah. I can get it, too. I'll have to check mm. that out. There was another one I saw on the plane to Denver. Uh, it's an older movie, Hunter Killer, a sub movie. It was pretty good. I saw that too after you recommended it because I didn't give it much thought and it just happened to have been on while I was working and I was checking it out and I was like, how did I not see this? I know, that was the same way I was. I, I didn't even know it came out. It, I mean, you figure with a, a star like Gerard Butler in it that there right. would be some fanfare, but it was kind of slipped in under the radar. Well, you know, a lot of movies today are only spending about two months in the theater, and they go right to DVD. Well, realistically, John Wick came out, Craig, what, two, three weeks ago? Yeah. And I put out the display to sell it Tuesday. There you have yeah. it. Wow. So yeah. it's direct to DVD, practically. Yeah. Um, and streaming. I don't oh, think yeah. Gerard oh, yeah. Butler got his big fame until Phantom of the Opera. No. Mm-hmm. Y- yes and no. I can't think of a movie before that that I saw him in, but... but that was one of the bigger roles for him, I think. Yeah, because a lot of the movies he did before that, they were kind of successes. They worked, but they weren't big box office hits. And then that one, everybody saw that because it's Phantom. Yeah, yeah, and that, that by the way, we talked about you know Scott seeing Wicked and Sarah's and my excitement over that. His, uh, I, along with other members of, this, of the group, are I'm big in, I like theater. I like it a lot. Phantom being one of my favorite musicals, I've seen it. Uh, 11 times now. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Phantom of the Opera is to opera what the WWE is to theater. Well, then we have okay. one man's opinion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Mr. Sir um, Lloyd Webber, if you're listening to our podcast, why don't you call in? Let's talk about that. <laughs> so, anyway. Because <laughs> oh, actually, Scott and I... I don't know if we touched on this or not. We may not have. Scott and I uh, and Tiny Wife were in Portland two years ago. That's or was right. it a year ago? I don't remember. Yeah, it was two years ago. Two years ago and saw Phantom of the Opera up there because we couldn't get tickets here in uh, California. But anyway, um, moving right along here, you know, we got some time um, and the open forum shows. So anybody got anything they want to add? Anything we want to discuss, talk about, uh, share with our listeners? Y'all have to watch that movie so we can talk about it. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll just be Scott and I talking for 30 minutes. Okay. Because you mean, know the scenes I want to talk about. They were awesome. Which scenes you want to talk I about? Know, I know, I know. We're not bringing them now. Okay, okay. You know, you know the ones I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Some well, of them anyway. are so ridiculous and awesome that I'm like, I'm so glad you put this in this movie. <laughs> okay, I'll go rent it tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> Lou, I may have to come over to your place then. Okay. Hey, hey. Okay, I'll get hey, you hey. too. No. I'm busy tomorrow. Oh, Yeah, I'll be in San Francisco playing poker tomorrow night. Otherwise, I'd say come watch it on an 80-inch screen. But oh. oh, damn. He had to go play the big card. Yeah, right. throw that card right. out there. Wait, so yeah. maybe we should just do a John Wick... Movie preview. Movie premiere. Oh, no, I like the way you said it the first time. A movie premiere. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what'd you put in this cigar, man? <laughs> I, I was... told you it was reefer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few butts in there, brother. Oh, is that what this is? So, oh no, 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 food, alcohol, cigars, all three John Wick movies. That's a plan. Sounds like a day event to me. Yeah, they just planned your house. We're gonna no rip your, that TV off the wall and move it outside. Yeah. 
Carefully. Yeah. Carefully move it outside. You don't have to rip it off the wall. It's sitting on a stand. It's, already, it's yeah. Yeah, he's already pretending to be John Wick. It's, <laughs> it's not as fun to say lift it off the stand and take it outside. <laughs> rip it off the wall is more interesting. Okay. You gotta sell it, baby. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> hey, if you can get it past the wife, I'm not gonna even have to do anything. I'm just buying, I, no, I'm buying tickets no. to the match. If you're playing the wife card, I'm out. Hard pass. Because <laughs> that was like when you know one of the jokes um, that I was bringing up in the shop while you were gone was I was gonna take Reno down. Reno is his Pomeranian. He calls him. Refresh my memory. He is your. World domination dog. That's Thank what it you. Is. World domination dog. And uh, I was going to take him down and have a poodle cut, but I knew I would have to answer to the tiny wife, and I'm not ready to die yet. We should well, just it, shave it, him it, like a hairless cat. It, <laughs> it Mr. Been Bigglesworth. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I want to touch on real quick on the, on this forum portion here. Hey, you know, is, uh, for us in California, hunting season is fast approaching. And this is my little public service announcement. Folks, if you're hiking in the woods and you know, it's hunting season for the love of all that is holy, we're a bright color, be it neon green, be it hunter blaze, orange, be it bright pink, be it whatever have you realize that there are, Guys with bows and arrows and firearms in the woods, we do appreciate if you... We'd love to have you out hiking with us and, and share the outdoors with, with, with the non-hunters, but please be aware that we're out there. And uh, camo patterns, when you're not hunting, you're just hiking, is never a good idea. Or I'd like to add, though, if you're an insufferable douche, don't. Well, Blend with the environment. If you're an insufferable oh, douche, do Darwin a favor. Wear antlers and a big brown fuzzy furry jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so on the hunting note, um, that is actually going to be some good stories for you guys coming up. Look forward to those uh, probably getting closer to the holidays because uh, deer hunting season's running through November this year. And uh, two of these cohorts I'm taking with me this year, Lewis and, and Scott, somehow have uh, agreed to join me on a hunt for some deer and some bear this year. So, you know, we'll see. I told Scott, as far as bears go, he's not allowed to hunt with a firearm. He only gets a knife and his Krav Maga skills. So I'll let you know how that plays out. Um, yes. Excuse you. Oh, are you coming with us? <laughs> I hope. Go ahead, Sarah. I, check him because he, he totally left you out. Yeah. Sorry. Sarah's coming too, folks. Okay. So, I don't know. Did we touch on our camping trip that we did a couple weeks ago? No. Oh, okay. So, Sarah, so (laughs) this spring, I bought a tent trailer. And uh, it was the first time. which camping trip did we not touch on? The one where you went to. uh, Because we could talk about both of them. Okay, so the first one. (laughs) <laughs> the first one was in May. This is a, this is actually a funny story, right? Did I, you guys get drunk and make bad decisions? No. Then there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Gross. So, <laughs> so no we, offense to you, sir. None taken. So we take the camp. We take the trailer up to our deer hunting spot uh, up in the mountains above us. It's about five thousand feet. Um, so we it's Memorial Weekend, by the way, and we set the trailer up, have a nice dinner. Unfortunately, the bottle of wine I had brought in was spoiled, so that was a big downer there. It's, we get ready to go to bed, and 
and both of us being old at th- late 30s. Or early 30s. Excuse I don't know which one do we you, call in here. Sir. Wow, he just aged. Well, I'm only three years from 40, okay? I don't I don't remember I am, how old I you are. I am not. Okay, eight years from 40 over there. I don't know. Why did you say like you're like from downtown Abbey? Downton Abbey? Oh, Jesus <laughs> No, Christ. no. He meant that right. Downtown Abbey. I've seen her. She's pushing a shopping cart. She's got a homeless outfit on. Yeah, downtown Abbey. Oh, okay. Yeah, these two are talking about taking me to premiere. Oh, it's not happening. so we go camping that weekend it starts raining about i would say about 1 a.m i got woken up and it was raining by 7 a.m there was three inches of snow on the ground and i'm like uh sarah you awake yet and i get a yeah it's snowing what it's snowing. We need to get the hell out of here. Because if you get stuck with no chains, which we didn't have any, not one of my brightest decisions, but I wasn't expecting snow. I don't think you were either. Nope. Well, I would were say you words. expecting her to bring the chains? Very possibly. You never know. It's a different camping nope. situation. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> so, anyway, she and I... Was there a safe word involved? Oh, my no. God. So, oh she and I... She and I, like, literally are throwing things in the, the truck and pretty much locked the trailer down and headed out because if you get stuck up there with no chains, CHP is not letting you over that mountain. It's not going to happen. And uh, we actually fortunately made it out in time. Um, They were just setting up the chain controls on Highway 20 as we were going by them. So it was a good situation. Funny now that we look back on it because Robinson went with me on Operation Trailer Rescue. And uh, it was funny to hear him go, you pulled this trailer down this road? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, But wait a minute because I think we're leaving a little something out in the details. Did you change the tires after this episode? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. So when we bought the trailer, what we didn't know is that the tires on the trailer, the trailer weighs 3,500 pounds. The tires on the trailer were rated for 1,500 pounds. So we're dragging around not ideally with the right weight code. So fortunately... Uh, my friend Jim up at America's Tire in Auburn hooked us up, put new tires on the trailer, and we just took that out again. Sarah and I did uh, about three or four weeks ago. We went up to Bodega Bay in Sonoma County and stayed a couple nights up there, and uh, that was a fun time. Unfortunately, as we were talking about with Bermuda, you can't smoke inside. Grab this one, folks. In Sonoma County, you cannot smoke outside. So the only time she and I could enjoy a cigar was on our adventures to go have lunch or, or what have you. So uh, yeah. what well, were you thinking, Sonoma County? Well, suffice it to say, the force was with you in the woods with those tires. Yes, the oh, force was definitely with us. that first trip? Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, if that thing had blown out, especially on the ice and snow, if I chose to tow it home, which I didn't, yeah. um, that would have been ugly. That trailer probably would have passed me. Yeah. You uh, made the right call. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because half the people in the shop were giving me grief because of the, oh, you should have just pulled it home, da 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 I'm like, dude, I have never driven a trailer, let alone never driven it in the snow. Yeah. Not going to happen. It can sit there for yeah. two days, and I'll go get it later. Yeah, you would have been like these 
people I saw in 80 just two days ago where the trailer got away from them. Mm. And I'd imagine that was probably the scene because they probably said, oh, look, somebody lost their trailer. Oh, wait, that's ours. Yeah, <laughs> that would be bad. Oops. As they're driving down the road, the trailer's r- passing them next yeah. to them. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is that us? Yeah. <laughs> that Talk looks about, familiar. <laughs> Talk about a Griswold moment there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it's an interesting experience that we've had. And, and, and these stories, you know, our hunting experiences, I've got great stories that, that we can tell uh, throughout the program and on, the, on my blog entry. And, and uh, one of the things, if I may, with the four of you, um, since, since several of you are going to join me on a hunt this year, um, the three of us, at least, that are actually going to take a rifle out in the woods and attempt to put some meat in our freezer, mm-hmm. um, we're all considered, as I said earlier in the podcast, Stephen Ranella is a... a a hunter and has a great program meat eater um we're late onset hunters you know we picked up hunting later on in life it's not something we grew up in at least big game hunting for me any anyways so it's skills that have to be learned and uh and you know it, i myself am learning as i go but i'll tell you one of the best things in the world um it's a quote by fred bear um who was another famous hunter um in many states, there are blue laws where you can't hunt on Sunday, for example. I mm. don't know if Philadelphia is one of them or not. I'm but, not sure. But um, he said, some people will go to church and think about hunting. Others will go hunting to get closer to and think about God. And that really does resonate with me. Not that I want to get on a religious kick here, but but when you think about it, we're going up into the middle of the forest five, seven depending on how far we wish to go, 10, 20 miles away from civilization. And the things that you see, the experiences that you have, sights, smells, etc., it really is a unique experience and one that I quite enjoy. And I hope that you guys, as we, uh, as you join me on this sojourn, enjoy that experience as well. Oh, absolutely. I know I will because I, oh, yeah. I know how to be very, very quiet in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> We're hunting wabbits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's something that my, my military background has taught me is that you don't give away your position while you're walking in the woods. So you got to learn where and how to step. That and is a huge thing. Yes. So, um, no, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, having done a couple of hikes in, you know, the 15 years that I've been here in California, it's, it's something very um, enlightening to, to get up to a seven or eight or 9,000 elevation and then just hear nothing but nothing. quiet. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. You kind of get in touch with, you know, who you are and you get, you know, to... Go through your thoughts and all that other good stuff. So, and looking forward to it. And one of the things we've talked about um, is that our equipment is portable. So, since the trailer has a generator that goes along with it, we can, in theory, if we want to, record around the campfire. Well, the little propane fire that we take with us, because well, that that'll work. Mm-hmm. You know, and and since we're portable, you know, I want to put this out to all the folks that we've spoken to, uh, those that have uh, local. Tobacco lounges uh, up and down California, as time permits. Uh, we'd love to come and visit your lounge and sit down and have a conversation with you and put you on with, with uh, Beyond the Humidor and just let people hear from you as well as us. And we can talk about our experiences from your perspective. Absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. Get some new, new ideas in here. So, hey, guys, I noticed that some of us are halfway, three quarters, even completely done with our cigars. So... Let's go around the room. Let's talk about what we've uh, tasted. Scott, since this is your treat, why don't you go ahead? 
Just retrohaled and I didn't gag. Mm, do you yeah. want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Okay, I'll work on that. Alfred! Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Tell me his name, Dr. Lecter. Good boy, Tommy. Good boy. <laughs> so, anyway, um, again, this was the Cameroon Maduro. What was the name of that one, by the way? Is it the Wild Hog? Yes, the Wild Hog. That's really kind of fitting for you being a Harley rider. That's very true. Gee, oh, what which, a surprise. Which I did not mention in a little bit about myself. I own a um, 2009 Harley Road Glide. Lloyd, I enjoy taking it out ever so often, going for some rides. Every now and then I'll smoke a cigar as I do. And just, you know, travel up and down the roads through the uh, mountains and just enjoy myself. And I don't know if I've said this before, but if you don't ride, you probably don't get it. It's just a fact of getting on a motorcycle and riding, whether it be with friends or by yourself as a lone wolf. You forget all your troubles and you're just you and the road. Two wheels on the pavement. And it's a very... I don't want to say religious. It's a very Zen kind of thing. Okay. Very, very, how um, would you say it's uh, liberating and, and very a, a liberating sense of freedom. As yeah. a matter of fact, you were talking about getting a ride um, at one point. Yeah. If you, some of these guys can stop having access, <laughs> you know, my, wife, my wife would say, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so every time I get ready to pull the trigger, something happens to somebody that I, that I know or know of on a motorcycle. And my wife is like, no, 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 no motorcycle. But, you know, I think I can get her to come around because it's just going to be me on a bike. She will not ride with me. Oh, neither will mine. And, and I'm okay with that because, you know, my wife would see a squirrel and turn a different direction and then Uh-oh. we'd be on the ground. <laughs> so I'd rather not and just know that I went out and had a good ride. And I think she'll appreciate that. So Squirrel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those accidents, by the way. I dropped my bike. I think I bought it and... About three or four months into it, I was in a U-turn, hit a patch of oil, opened up the throttle, and down I went. Um, my left elbow was like the size of a softball. Oof. Yeah, that wasn't fun getting drained, but the morphine was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the stories that was told to me from a guy at uh, the local Holly dealership here in Rockland was that there are three types of riders. Those that have dropped their bike once those that will drop their bike, and those that will drop it again. That's right. So even the, ex- the well-experienced, and we know some guys, you and I both know some guys that have been riding for at least 20 plus 30 years, maybe, and they'll tell you, yeah, I've been down. I've dropped my bike. Exactly. You know, it happens. But, you know, God, you know, they, God willing, they, you know, they're still here with us. But, you know, you go down and you learn. You, you learn the road. You learn the hazards of the road. And that's the one thing you got to look out for. And, and just with driving. You always know what you're going to do. You never know what the next person is going to do. So you got to look out for the vehicles and how they may make a, mo- a maneuver or cut you off or whatever have you. So um, another PSA, guys, if you're on the road and you see motorcycles out, th- motorcycle riders out there, share the road. Respect the fact that they're somebody's brother, husband, sister, whatever have you, but they're human beings. Don't knock them down. Don't run into them. You know, share the road. Exactly. And I share that sentiment. And, you know, as we talk about motorcycles, I know there is a segment of the population will sit there and say, you're going to kill yourself. Why would you do something? If you go down at 70 miles, you're a gunner, blase, blase. I was listening to a cat before I bought my bike um, on YouTube and he has a channel, Cycle Cruiser. 
And he talked precisely about that, about, you know, people telling you, oh, you could die on a motorcycle or this could happen to you. As cliche as it sounds, dying can happen to you at any time. If you Mm want to go through life not experiencing stuff because you're afraid of getting hurt or dying, you're not living, man. Oh, you might as well live in a bubble. Exactly. You you can die from a fishbone. Right. Come on. Yeah. If it's something you enjoy and you're being safe, and one of the things that I learned, I know you, you probably did it too, is you take the ride of safety course. Exactly. And you learn about that. And even I was talking to an, an older friend of ours. He is a motor cop from way back, and even he continues to take the ride of safety course just to get a refresher. So, guys, you know, it's nothing to be afraid of. You just got to make sure you got the right skills and you don't, don't do anything foolish. Right. You know, if you're going to do the risky things, you mitigate your risk by learning about it, being careful. You know, that's not to say something, you know, won't happen to you, but you mitigate your risk and cut it down to being more serious than it is. And if you, your clock's up, your clock's up, man. Yeah. But, you know, I say live your life. You know, I'm just going to, you know, the moral of the story is, Live your life out the way you want to. Don't do it for other people. If there's something out there you want to do, freaking do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the greatest sin ever is being on your deathbed or you about to, you know, go out and you thinking about all the stuff that you didn't do. No regrets. That's right. Yeah. So, cigar reviews. Well, since you were on the me and I got on that little tangent there. <laughs> That's okay. It was, a, it, was a nice, it was a nice plug for your blog, Two Wheels on the Pavement. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to add, I'd rather die on a motorcycle than die like 50,000 people who slip and hit their toilet. There's hey, a little oh. dignity in dying on the motorcycle, hey, just hey, saying. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a statistical number on that. Yeah, it's like uh, 50,000. Yeah. Every year. A, year? a lot of people slip and wow. fall in the shower. So. That's true. Wow, my number's up then. Uh, you, you got to take the flip-flops off in the shower, man. Uh, hey, you know, I don't like getting my feet wet. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Scott. So, Scott, tell us about <laughs> So, the wild hog. Nope. You know, this Cameroon Maduro, it, it's very rich, and I get kind of rich, woodsy notes from it, as I did the retrohale. It's a pleasant smoke. It's not overbearing, and that's one of the things I like about it. You know, when I, you know selected this when I was thinking, you know, Maduro's not always in my wheelhouse. In fact, I have like a drawer full of um, Maduro cigars in my humidor. And I was kind of like talking to um, Greg and told him, well, you know what? I've got these Maduros that I think I want to get rid of, maybe do a little barter. And you're like, you know what? Give them a try and see how you like them. And he, um, you know, these were ones actually we got in Denver that we um, received and I was like, well, maybe I can trade these for something else. But he encouraged me to try some of the Maduros, and they were awesome. You know, I enjoyed, you know, the um, couple that he steered me towards. And I'm really starting to like Maduros, you know, through um, Greg's um, urging. Oh, and damn. And there's I, no exception. I think I had to something one. to do with that. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think you did. Did give me that flying feral pig. And... Oh. Uh, Give us a minute, folks. Here, uh, one of our one of our compatriots is uh, coming into our recording studio here. But uh, uh, anything you want to add, Scott? Still? No, that's about it. I'm gonna say that if you do make your way to Bermuda or come across it, the Wild Hog is a very, very um, good contender. Good, good. I'm okay. glad to hear it. So, uh, I'm gonna change this up a little bit. Sarah, how's your Connecticut going? Connecticut is delicious. 
did not choose the best beverage to pair with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to set that down for a minute. Um, but it's a really solid Connecticut. I mm-hmm. would definitely smoke that again in the morning with a cup of coffee. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. So, Craig, tell us about that rim runner. I was trying to figure out what you were doing for a minute, but I got the message after a while. Uh-huh. I thought you were signaling for me to bunt your steel base. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with what I said before, sweet oak and bacon. It's a good bacon? cigar. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Well, at least it's consistent. Then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do, do agree with you on that. It just ended too quickly. You uh, know what? I was kind of rejecting the rum runner as a um, choice. That was the one I definitely didn't want to get. Now I kind of regret it because I do love bacon. Mm-hmm. If you don't love bacon, there's something wrong with you. Damn right. <laughs> it's non-American. Yeah. So, Lewis, what about you with that? Um, Barracuda? What was that again? Yeah, Barracuda. Yeah. Well, you know, it's got a little fish oil smell. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Watch the teeth now. Watch the teeth. No, you know, um, it still has a, a, a woodsy uh, base to it. I didn't get, you know, a lot of pepper, but a little pepper. I, I retrohaled about two or three times. I got a little slight peppery taste to it. Some light floral notes, but it's very consistent in just that flavor. It didn't change up at all, so it stays pretty much right in that vein, which is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good cigar. I think, you know, for our listeners out there, you know, if you are able to get your hands on, on any one of these cigars, I say give it a try. It's, it's worth at least putting it in your wheelhouse and having a smoke when you're – Doing whatever you do. Because, again, there is no bad cigar. The greatest cigar is the one that you like and smoke. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. You know, I have the Reef, which is a Sumatra. And as my compatriots will tell you, Sumatra wrapper is one of my favorites, that along with Cameroon and Corojo. It is a wonderful smoke. It's smooth from the beginning to the end. It's been very consistent, which is one of the hallmarks, I think, to a good cigar, is consistency, even if the flavor is changing as it goes through. Is still consistent draw, consistent smoke. The construction's perfect. The wrapper's got this warm undertone to it. The binder and filler, not sure what they are, but well. but it almost has a little spice to maybe say Nicaraguan. Okay. Um, really good cigar. It's definitely one that I really dislike the fact, Scott, that you only brought one pack uh, because I kind of want another one. Uh, who said I brought only one pack? Oh, oh. in that case, party at Scott's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The secret. <laughs> I thought your favorite rapper was cardboard and grape. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. <laughs> I think I've come a long way since smoking infused cigars 10 years ago. Well, you know, one of the things, too, because the burn on this has been pretty consistent, it means that there's a long filler in here. It's not mm-hmm. short leaf. And so I, I learned that over the years with short leaf, you tend to have to relight it several times. But this has stayed lit. And like I said, the flavor is just consistent in what I described and um, not harsh. And it went well with, with this uh, beverage, so I'm not complaining. There. And probably with the Connecticut, you probably need something a little different than what we're drinking tonight, Sarah, mm-hmm. I would think. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know what, folks? We're going to be pairing with a lot of different things, not just with a scotch or a single malt or anything within the brown uh, spirits. We'll have wine. I kind of doubt we'll do beer unless we get that one beer that we had that I think we all enjoyed. Which yeah, was the, the Dunkel from yes. Prost Brewery. Yes. Oh, yes, no doubt. Hey, guys, you listening? We want to talk to you. Yes, reach out because uh, we want to review your beer with our cigar choice for the night. So 
reach out to us. Hey, and I would be remiss here. Our two our two friends that joined us. You guys want to say hi to our listeners? Pat, you want to jump in and say hi? Come on in. Sarah, can we borrow your mic for a minute? Oh, but I got to set it up because I'm looking forward to this. Okay. <laughs> let's, let, let's let Bob say hi, and then we'll let Lewis set it up here. Come on in, Pat. Good evening. How are we doing? What, what were you guys up to? That was Bob. Pat and I went and saw Steely Dan. Oh, nice. Uh, perform tonight. Oh, right Great. on. Yeah, have All a right. seat. And, and we have our resident celebrity talk show host, Pat Walsh. <laughs> Hey, Pat, how hey, are you? guys. All right, Pat, your hey. mic's live. All right, I'm honored, Pat. I'm honored to be a part of this. Well, we're honored oh, to have gentlemen. you, man. You're yeah, it's like, good hey. to see you, man. Welcome it's to our to program. Too. Thank you. So how Thank was you. Steely Dan? How was the, the, the music, man? I mean, did it Fantastic. take Fantastic. Oh, great. Great to did hear that. Did a great set. Right, yeah. Bob? Oh, I thought it was spectacular. It's, uh, you know, again, we were talking this evening on the way back that um, how little... Uh, Donald Fagan has lost in his voice. Yeah. And the music, you know, classic Steely Dan and performed well. And the fact that his voice is meant for that music. It's yeah, just it really a perfect is. match. I could never imagine any other singer filling his spot in Steely no. Dan. Like you said, his voice is married to that music. It really is. Oh, well, that's, that's a good uh, report out because... Uh, I missed the show because I was sitting here. Not that I'm begrudging <laughs> that you guys win, but you know, <laughs> you're not bitter, are you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all, right? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, there's there's many concerts for us to to attend as the time progresses. Uh, one of the things that we do enjoy as a, as a group of friends is going to a concert venue together and just you know having done that on uh, uh, two occasions so far with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's been fun. Uh, I enjoy seeing George Clinton with you guys. I enjoy seeing Leonid and friends. Um, I'm looking forward to some others, too, as time you know allows for you know, our individual schedules. And we just get out and have some fun. We were just talking music. about how many, uh, in the last couple of months, how many great, not just great bands, but really great guitar players, and really terrific horn sections we've been seeing lately. Terrific. Tonight and, and uh, you know, the uh, Leonid and Friends that uh, did Chicago. We've yeah. just seen some great horn sections. Uh, and that's the part of the music that I appreciate. Where, you know, you got the three different guitars. You have your rhythm, your lead, and electric guitar. And the, But where are the horns at? You know, yeah, I, right. the horns add yeah. a different element to, the, oh, to yeah. the music. And so, you know, I love that. But um, no, thanks, guys, and I'm glad you guys came and, and decided to you know visit with us. Um, uh, well, hey, me, I didn't make the concert. Well, hey, with tradition, <laughs> as tradition goes. So, what are we smoking and drinking, Pat? Oh, I'm drinking some cheap wine. <laughs> Josh is by no means cheap. That's one of my favorites. Oh, is it? Okay, what do I know? I don't. Know. And then uh, I don't know what I'm smoking. Bob was kind enough to give me a cigar here. The Zeno Platinum Scepter that okay. you have. Oh, 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 that's right. always a great cigar. That's very the good. The Grandmaster, yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Put the top down and the convertible, roll back from the concert, smoking cigars. All right. And Bob, <laughs> what are you smoking? I am there? smoking a Griffin, which is a Davidoff uh, wine. Yeah. Very, very light. Very nice. Yeah, very, a, very nice. And I'm going to be drinking Pat's. Cheap wine. Cheap wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. If it's too cheap for y'all, I'll drink it. <laughs> oh, why not? Go. Why not? <laughs> so, 
we've hit a lot of different t- subjects tonight. I want to say a few things while we wrap this up here. One of the things that we really appreciate is the feedback we're getting from everybody. Um, one of the best compliments we got was actually from Pat uh, la- two episodes ago when he was sitting in. You guys didn't know it, but he was here. And uh, we appreciate all the feedback anyone brings us. Send us an email. Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, you'll forgive me. I have no idea what the Twitter account is and the Instagram account is. Sarah, can you uh, jump on a mic somewhere and tell us what it is? Yeah. Our Twitter is at LC Cartel, and our Instagram handle is at Loomis Cigar Cartel. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, Facebook, obviously, Loomis Cigar Cartel, and our website, www.loomiscigarcartel.com. You can also send us an email, the account, uh, loomiscigarcartel at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out on the podcast, beyondthehumidor at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. One of the new features that you're going to see um, within the coming week to two weeks at most is we are finally able now to get on iTunes, Spotify, and Google. So you won't have to go just to our website to hear us. We'll be, you'll be able to see that. And once we get that dialed in, it's one of the things that Sarah and I are working on right now. You'll be able to hear that from us. As always, I'd like to tell everyone, thank, thank my guests tonight. Thank you, Pat and Bob, for jumping in thank with us. Thank you. And uh, we hope to see you guys on the next episode of Beyond the Humidor. Have a great night.